Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Mara, let's talk about the week of story we just saw on both the Days of Our Lives and General Hospital. So I'm going to start with GH and the explosive wedding, literally, of Carly and Jason that occurred in conjunction with Sonny's memory returning. Now, you can count me as someone who is maybe a little impatiently waiting for Mike to discover that he isn't Mike and come back to Port Charles and the whole sequence of his memory coming back really worked for me. So I love that we saw Max Gale return as Mike. Um, I love how the show interspersed everything happening with Sonny with the scenes from Jason and Carly's wedding. And like, I think you know that I consider myself a liaison fan first, then I'm a JSAM fan. So I wasn't like shedding tears over the Jarly marriage blowing up a second after it appeared to become legal, but still I am in for the drama ahead. You know, I think what worked the best for me was Sonny's reunions with his kids. Uh, Maurice Bernard, who plays Sonny, had told me in advance that Lexi Ainsworth, who plays Christina, a little too infrequently for my taste, but I digress, uh, had just absolutely knocked those scenes out of the park. I think his exact words to me about it were, I couldn't have done what she did. Boy, was he right. I I mean, for me, Christina's reunion with her dad was the emotional high point of the whole week. And I'd give uh, Dominic Zampronia a shout out as well, because I thought Dante's reunion with Sunny was also very touching. So we're only a few episodes into this arc of the story, into finding out exactly how GH is going to play the fallout of Sonny's return. But I definitely think it was interesting that he chose not to tell Carly right away about Nina's role in keeping him away from Port Charles. That suggests that it may not be as easy for him to write Nina off as it initially appeared it would. And, you know, that's like where I hope we're going. I hope that we see a lot of internal conflicts on the parts of all the players here. Um, But I will definitely be closely following what I think has great potential to be an emotional journey, not only for Carly and Sunny, but for Jason, for Nina, you know, for so many important characters. You know, I have to say, I totally got choked up over Lexi. I mean, my God, she should be so proud of how in the moment she Mm. was in those scenes. You know, Mm -hmm. I know it isn't easy to cry on cue or to bring the emotion at the exact right time, but it really makes all the difference when you feel a character is having a truly genuine emotional response to something that in any real life circumstance would be completely life-changing. You know, like your dad coming back from the dead. Um, (laughs) And you know what? She was great. Yeah. Uh, Now, over at Days, we saw the possession story officially kick off when Doug, who it turns out is possessed himself, sent a message to Marlena as the devil. I thought it was really clever of head writer Ron Carlovati to make it look like we were about to watch a dementia story unfold with Doug, yet it couldn't have been further from the truth. And you know, not for nothing, Bill Hayes is 96 years old. And wow, were his scenes with Deidre Hall amazing. And I have to give a shout out to his wife, Susan Seaforth Hayes, who plays Julie, who is also making the most of the material she is being given. You know, I always maintain that when Days told the possession story the first time around, it worked because we were so invested in Marlena by that point. You know, she had been on the canvas for nearly 20 years, and now you're using Doug, who has been in Salem for 51 years. It gives us an immediate connection to the story. Yes, we have seen time and time again that especially if a show is going to delve into territory that's outrageous or controversial, that story had better be anchored by significant characters because that is going to solidify the audience at least giving it a chance. You know, I think about some of the most out there stories soaps have endeavored to tell. 
uh, when Guiding Light introduced a clone, it was Reva's clone. When One Life to Live sent a whole slew of Landview residents to the underground city of Eterna, Vicky was chief among them. You know, when, when GH gave us Casey the Alien, Casey the Alien befriended Robin. I think that has to be the way in. And where Days is concerned, they've done a lot of smart things. You know, picking Doug was, I think, brilliant. And the tale has been so well set up to be multi-generational via uh, Marlena's grandchildren, Johnny and Allie, also deserves kudos. I know it's in the early stages, but the story has been so fun to watch already and I think is giving Days fans so much to talk about. And I think we may just have like another landmark story on our hands here. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Uh, now, another story that's been tugging at our heartstrings for different reasons is the drama on Young and the Restless with Mariah, Abby, Devon, and baby Dominic. You know, I really didn't know where the story was going, but I am now really invested in it, thanks in part to the outstanding performances given by our guest today. It's two-time Emmy winner Cameron Grimes, who plays Mariah. So let's get her on the line and chat with her about this very emotional tale. Hi, Cameron. Hello, guys. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. We're so happy to talk to you. Yeah, of course. I'm excited. Well, for people who may not be familiar with your entire entree into showbiz, um, tell us how you first got started in your acting career. Uh, well, I was quite little, um, and my grandma was a talent agent. My uncle is an actor, and I used to go to set with them and I just started asking my grandma from a very young age. She put me off for a long time. She's like, no, 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 no. And I kept asking and kept asking. Um, kind of like sports, except not sports. Um, <laughs> and uh, eventually I, I wore her down and, uh, and she finally agreed. She was like, you know what? We'll just send her on a couple auditions. She'll probably hate it. And, and it, you know, and then she'll get bored and then she'll stop asking. Uh, and I didn't hate it. And then about, I, I want to say like the third audition I went on, which was my first theatrical audition was for Young and the Restless. And here we are. <laughs> Great talking to you. Yeah, right, here we are. That's, that's the story. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. <laughs> so you were only seven years old when you made your debut on YNR as Kathy. What are your earliest memories of being on the YNR set? Well, the first filming I did was actually in Pittsburgh uh, on location. So uh, I remember it being very, very, very cold. <laughs> went in, uh, in winter time or like late fall and you know me being born and raised in Southern California I I did not cope well <laughs> I, there was a scene I remember being in the like the back of oh that was maybe later but um in the back of a taxi and just like I had those like hot pack like pack things just shoved everywhere and I remember because my grandpa taught me you know work etiquette um taught me on the job he used to take me to set most of the time and so I remember just like politely asking I I remember or remember somebody's telling of it um uh politely asking are we gonna be done soon like, <laughs> not wanting to put up too much of a fuss but just you know just wondering when I could not be freezing cold. <laughs> well, you know, you essentially grew up on television and in the public eye, which is such an uncommon experience. And, you know, there are so many examples of young people who paid a certain price for it. So was it ever a struggle for you? And would you choose the same path today? Or would you go and make a different choice if you could? Oh, no, I would, I would choose the same path over and over again, because I, I had such a unique experience. Like you talked about, because... I didn't have, my family never cared whether I was an actor or not. I got myself into it. I kept it going. I always had a desire to audition. I always had a desire. I had a, I liked work. I liked working. Um, it, it was essentially like a correct extracurricular activity for me. It was like my hobby, except it was a full-time job. Um, and yeah. And, and then, I mean, I mean, the best, Looking back on my life now, being 31, um, I always forget because, like, we lost a year, so I still think <laughs> 30. Like, now I'm 31. Um, uh, I had essentially like a midlife crisis at 15 when I 
when I came off the show um, the first time when Cassie died, and I really had to rec uh, like reckon with, do I want to do this? Did I just stumble into it? Am I any good at it? Am I like, it was, I was, I had never gone to school full time before. I was kind of like on and, you know, I, I got into plays. So like that, it was, it was a very like traumatic and chaotic year for me. But I learned so much, not only about myself, but about the industry and really what it takes to, to have longevity in, you know, I've had 25 peaks and valleys and, 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 you know, I've been working for 25 years now. So, and you don't really see that usually for someone my age. So you really learn how to, how to persevere and how to, you know, good head on your shoulders. And, and I will say a lot of that is due to my family. They've always been supportive. I've always been wonderful and they've always never cared if I stop tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we touched on what was out of the ordinary about your childhood, but you seem like such a grounded person and have such a healthy perspective on your profession. Like you said, your family has a lot to do with it. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, what childhood it was like for you when you weren't doing your extracurricular activity? Yeah, I, so I went to school, I went to public school, um, and I just would have this deal with my teachers and my family had worked out where the days that I was out at work, I would get um, you know the packet of work for that day, and then I'd go into with my studio teacher and I'd do the work, and I'd, um, you know, my family just really, I have six younger siblings, so it's also, and two whole separate family units, because my mom and my dad, um, we're never together. I mean, we're together once, <laughs> but so I am two separate families. I'm my dad and my stepmom and my siblings. And then I have my mom and my grandparents and, and, um, my siblings there. Uh, so that is a really humbling experience when, you know, I hate to say like, you know, being tossed back and forth as a child, you just get used to going with the flow. And, you know, you adjust to this family and then you, you get, you know, you go back to your dad, you adjust to this family. Um, so it makes you incredibly malleable. I, there was just so, there were so many people. It, it couldn't be about me or, oh my God, or, and sometimes there was even an overcorrection, um, like on my parents' end to, to be like, you're not special or important. I'd be like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> So um, it, all of that combined, I think, just really made for, for a unique experience for me. And I mean, like, I, I, didn't, I didn't know any different. Um, so it wasn't, yeah, there was, I, I, I can never identify a time in my life where it could have been like, oh my gosh, she's going off the deep end. Like, <laughs> you know, because, because I think, the the heart of it and the root of it was me and it was something that I loved so much and it, it was instilled in me that if you love this you have to work for it the second you stop working for it you don't deserve it um and yeah I mean my grandpa and my grandma had a, had a huge influence on the way that I uh, approach acting and jobs and so that was a really long-winded, I apologize. <laughs> Not at all. Hey, that's what we're here for, to get stories. Now, everyone hates going to work some days, um, and here you are, a child. So were there ever days you're like, I don't want to learn my lines. I don't want to go to work today. And what was that like? Um, I'm sure there were. Like, I'm sure I, if I pulled my grandpa in, if I, like, teleported him from home, like, he would tell you stories. I don't specifically remember. Work sort of felt like a safe haven, for me. And like any time I would not even act up in a bad way, but I'd maybe get like, I'd be laughing too much with Josh and like my grandpa was always on the sidelines and he, and I always knew that like, if I was like not being professional enough, 
Um, I look over and my grandpa's arms were crossed. <laughs> oh shit, I gotta get it back in line. Like I make him sound like he's like terrible and like I had a torture shot. It really wasn't. Um, it just, uh, I liked structure. I liked predictability. Like I said, my, my home life was very unpredictable and there was very little that I could control about where I went and when I went and who I went with and all that. So work was kind of like a safe haven for me. I knew what I put into it is what I'm going to get out of it. And, you know, the more, the more that I, uh, you know, impressed people or did a good job or, or, or didn't act like a kid and didn't mess up and didn't like the more people respected me. And so for me, I have like a really logical um, brain. So like I, I, every brain is logical, but like for me, I like, I think it was a way also to now being older and realizing that I've had ADHD my entire life and I've never known. Um, it was an early way for me to channel all of that into structure and it worked for me. <laughs> all right. Yeah, interesting. Um, so in, in 2001, while you were still uh, part of the YNR family, you appeared in the feature film Swordfish, which starred heavy hitters like uh, Halle Berry, John Travolta, Hugh Jackman. But what was the casting process like for a major studio picture like that one? Um, well, I think I had, I had gone in for um, X-Men. It was one of those, but like I had, I think I had seen that casting director before and they brought me in. Um, in, and I saw Hugh Jackman was cast on the casting board in in the audition room, and I freaked out because I was like X Men. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I I think it was just like one audition, and then I I had booked it. Um, that was a great year. <laughs> Let's talk about two thousand to two thousand one. That was a great year. I got a dog. I won an Emmy. <laughs> I, I got to work with Hugh Jackman. It was awesome. Um, no, that was that was so fun. That was like my first experience with action, and I was just I remember like looking at the set and I was like, it, it was just it really felt like playing pretend, and it, it was the biggest scope of something that I had worked on, and I saw the just sheer like power of the movies and 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 imagination i was just like oh, this is amazing that's awesome um well as you mentioned in 2005 cassie was killed off in one of the most heartbreaking stories young and restless has ever oh, told <laughs> <laughs> um now do you remember what it was like to lose ynr as the constant in your life um and was it difficult to connect to disconnect from it yeah oh uh, viscerally uh i remember it, it felt like a death. Like people were treating me like I, I was dying. Um, Cause that's what it felt, in all fairness, that's what it felt like to them. I've been on the show for 10, nearly 10 years at that point. Um, and I'd grown up with these people and um, it, it didn't hit me until much, much later. Cause I was just going as I had always, I knew it was coming. I knew, but you, I was 15. You can't emotionally prepare for something like that, even if you think that you can. Suddenly one day you're doing the thing that you've done for the past 10 years and the next day you wake up and you go to school and you don't have that thing anymore. Uh, th there's nothing that can prepare you for that at that age. Um, so it was just a, like, I remember I watched, I, I watched an episode of, uh, Ashley Simpson's show on MTV, when Pieces of Me or something like that, or, or autobiography, it was called something. And I was like, I realized I had never dyed my hair in my life. And I was like, I'm 15, I'll do what I want, I'm not on a show anymore. And I dyed my hair jet black, like Ashley Simpson. Uh, it's not a good look. Turns out, dark black hair, super pale, freckles, doesn't really work. Um, but you know, I did it, and that was, that was the, what mattered. Um, no, it was, it, I, I was completely in disarray. I didn't know, uh, I, I had a 
a whole identity crisis. I didn't know who I was or what I wanted to do or who I was without work. Or so I just, the, those years of high school were all about that was discovering um, theater, you know, and like sort of feeling out like, or do I, do I want to do anything else? Do I want to do this? What are my interests? What am I that? And I just always came back to, um, always came back to acting. Always came back. Well, speaking of coming back, in uh, 2014, you did come back to The Young and the Restless, and the audience learned that Sharon had actually given birth to twins, and Mariah hit the scene. So tell us how your comeback came about. Uh... I remember the phone call very, very clearly. Uh, I was, I want to say I was 21, 22. And it was just like a random beginning of summer, I think. Uh, and I, I got a call from my agent and she was like, hey. And I like immediately knew it was going to be like a weird conversation. I was like, hey, what's up? <laughs> I didn't have any auditions or anything. So I was like, what's going on? She was like, uh why wants you back for a few episodes i was like a few ep what's a few episodes she's like like six i was like oh and uh i was like they do know that i am dead right is this another so i i immediately said yes obviously i wasn't uh very busy at the time <laughs> I was working at a rock climbing gym uh, as a rock climbing instructor. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, let's go. And, um, and I'll always say yes to them. Like, I'll always say yes. It's my it's loyalty, man. That's my home. Um, so I, I just started and, and I read the story and it was this hallucination thing. So I figured it was obviously going to come to an end. But then six episodes turned into 10, and 10 turned into 15, and 15 turned into 20. And, by, by like, I want to say like October or November, I sort of went upstairs and I was like, hey, because I had started auditioning and, you know, get and I was like, hey, uh, is this going somewhere? Because I really need to know. I've got like a couple things and they were like, no, 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 don't go anywhere. We're trying. We're trying to figure out a way to bring you back. And I was like, "Oh, okay. Why did you tell me that sooner?" Like, <laughs> um, and 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 then the question became like, "How are they going to do this? How how is this? Is it going to be Cassie? Is it going to be somebody different? How are they going to make that work?" Um, and I was when I when I finally found out, like, "No, you're going to be somebody different." The question was, "Am I going to be a doppelganger? Am I going to be?" A twin and then you know as more and more information gathers i got so scared because i i was like wait people love cassie and if i'm not cassie are they gonna still like me mm -hmm. and then mariah as i was reading even before she premiered was so different than cassie i was like oh they're, they're gonna hate this the audience is gonna hate this and like this once beloved like and I got very in my head, you know, I had never experienced social media in my early, uh, you know, experience with the show. And then, you know, there's Twitter and there's Instagram and there's all of this stuff. And it was uh, daunting. It was really daunting. <laughs> well, how did you then go about finding who Mariah was? Because obviously you would come in and play Cassie from a young age, but now you're creating an entirely different character on the same show. Um, Mariah was me. Mariah was, I mean, definitely with more of an edge and, and funnier, funnier lines. <laughs> um, but I just, you know, I, I knew that she had to be an antithesis. She was me. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm a little sassy and I'm a little dry and I'm a little, you know, all of those things. And so I just added like a much harsher edge in the beginning. But what I've loved about the character of Mariah is as I've grown, she's grown, as, as did Cassie, you know? But obviously because Cassie, you know, passed so young, there were limits to like her growth that you saw. Mariah's different, she's a full adult, and um, as I have, you know, aged into my 20s and now my early 30s, so has Mariah, she's had the same, 
the same, different, but the same evolution, you know, here. What was it like to work with uh, Ray Wise, who played Ian, the oh. leader character who was linked to Mariah in her early days? I'm always hoping that they're going to bring him back because he's, he, one, he's such a lovely, lovely man who was just gifted with this awesome face and charisma that like just looks evil and like and dastardly and devious but like couldn't be kinder and couldn't have one thing I, I really I really loved about him is he really cared about um he cared about the soap way of things like he he wanted to know about like well how should I do this and like how should I like he wanted to do his best in that medium um, rather than just, and he's completely unselfish as an actor, you know, it wasn't just about him or his before, like he wanted to collaborate, he wanted to work, and he was just all around, all around amazing guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, now, toward the beginning of your Mariah journey, she was involved with Greg Rickart's Kevin, a relationship that had something of a comic bent. So tell us about working with Greg in that storyline. Greg, I, I will, I will say this. Greg Rickard and Will Ferrell Tommy comedy. <laughs> um, I, Gr Greg is just so natural in, um, in just his timing and his delivery and the way that like he, that he improvs and like, it was just honestly, just, I just putting in the time with Greg with these two characters and their dynamic taught me like everything, everything I needed to, I needed to know about comedy and I'd never really done comedy before. Um, so it was strange. I was like, you know, getting back on the show, I was like, but if I'm not doing drama, anything? <laughs> if I'm not crying, where is my worth? You know? Um, and, uh, and so to be suddenly, like, after the whole reveal, to be doing comedy, I was like, are you, are you guys sure you know what you're doing here? I don't, this isn't, um, and it turns out I freaking love comedy. Like, I love comedy. Even in the, the you know, the storylines I'll get that suddenly become very heavy. Like, by the end of those stories, I'm like, I really just want to get back to comedy. It's so nice. Like it's so fun. It's so playful. That's where I've, I've, that's, that's been the best part of this r return to discovering that side of my, my acting and getting to play in that has been so, so amazing. Oh. I think that the comedy of, the relationship with Hillary also really helped to define Mariah. Absolutely, and they've sort of done that. They've taken the, my character, Mariah, and you know, every year, like few months, they'll, they'll put her with another like person to sort of create a, a foil and a, and a comedic edge. And it was Greg, and then you have Hillary, and then you have Summer, and then, you know, and so on and, and so forth. And uh, it's a joy because I get to work with a lot of the cast, <laughs> you know, doing different things there. And, uh, and just making people laugh is, it, I always equate it to um, Monsters, Inc. Um, and how initially like screams or, or sadness or fear, like they thought like that filled the tank, but turns out laughter was like the thing that filled the tank like the most. And that that's me. It's like, oh, I mean, I get I, I love when people um, you know, are, are moved by a dramatic performance, but when people laugh, oh, I just it's like music in my I can feel it, like I get goosebumps. I'm like, you have laughed at something I have said. The satisfaction is real. <laughs> <laughs> um, now Mariah was also involved with Devon who remains an important person in her life so tell us about your real life dynamic with his portrayer Brighton James I don't think that there is a kinder person in the world than than Brighton James uh I my <laughs> my grandma will just randomly call me to, 
to say how nice Brighton is. And it's like, not like they go to lunch all the time. She'll just be like, you know, I just, Brighton is so nice. And I'm like, what, did you have dinner with him yesterday? Like, she's like, no, I just was thinking about it. Like, my grandma Loki is in love with Brighton. Um, but like, why wouldn't you be? He's just, he's, I, I love what he does as an actor and what he brings to the show. But just him as a person is like, I, I laugh, like we, now that we're working on our current storyline, we get to work together so much more, which is amazing because we love working together because all we do is laugh. And we, like, I try to like, right before we film, I try to like get him to crack up. And like, it, it's just getting, getting to know him, you know, again, as, as an adult and, and have him as a friend has been, um, has, has been a, a true gift. He's, he's one of the best people you'll ever meet. I see you both have the experience of being child actors. Is that something yeah. that ever bonded you? Totally. I mean, we, we've talked about that before and, and our, you know, our, our different experiences. And um, uh, we, we have a lot in common because of that. So there's, there, there's definitely like this, like kindred spirit sort of thing. And um, yeah, he is, you know, he has a similar trajectory. So. And then I wanted to know if we approve of Brittany. We do. We love her. Well, I met Brittany. Um, I met Brittany when the first time I went to Marco Island for Soap Fest, um, and that's where I met Haley too. So those relationships were sort of um, born out of that trip, which was so much fun. And then uh, right before the pandemic, actually, I went to New Orleans um, with uh, Brittany and Brighton, and all we did was uh, eat. And it was amazing. We were there for like maybe two and a half days and we had maybe seven meals. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. Um, yeah, she, she's amazing. Like awesome travel buddy. Awesome. Like I, I, I kind of like want her life. She, she just feels like she's just got it down. She's yoga every day and she's always like dressed so cute. It's like athleisure, but it's a little more fashionable and it's, her sneakers are always like pristine and I just like, I'm just like, oh God, I'm in my pajamas at work. <laughs> I wish I had that composure and that routine. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, well, Mariah, next developed feelings for Tessa, who was at the time dating her brother, Noah. So do you remember the first time you met Kate Fairbanks, your leading lady, and or what your first impressions of her were? Um, yeah, I do. I, re I remember meeting her. I, I'm a very blunt person. Um, so I, I had, she had no idea of the storyline, which I didn't know at the time. So I remember like first time meeting her, I was like, Hey, so we're going to be together. And she was like, what? <laughs> I was like, Oh yeah, this is happening. Just you, just you wait. <laughs> Something like that. I mean, she tells the story better. Um, but, uh, immediately bonded on on all of the the things that we mutually love musicals and and weird memes and then just uh it was it was it was really nice it, it was instantly like oh oh this is gonna be fine you know <laughs> this is gonna this is gonna work out just just right <laughs> Well, I recently read uh, an interview of yours with Entertainment Weekly where you talked about how you first sort of heard Scuttlebutt in like, I think the makeup room that YNR was going to reveal that one of the characters was gay and you thought to yourself, it's me, I know it's me. Why did you- I said out loud, <laughs> out loud. Uh, Crystal, Crystal Calliel had uh, come into the dressing room and you know, pre-pandemic, this was where we got to bond in the morning and got to laugh and listen to music and talk and gossip and have fun. And um, now that's gone. So thanks. thanks <laughs> um, so she had come into the room and, and we were just all talking. She's like, oh, did you hear? Like, what? She's like, they're making somebody gay. I think it's me. <laughs> and I just sat back and I was like, it's me. It's me. She's like, what? How do you know? I was like, I will bet you. 
I will bet you that it's me. And now looking back, I totally see why they did it for a bunch of reasons. Um, that should have been the first indicator that, that I was bisexual. <laughs> it's the show wrote, wrote me a part, wrote a storyline for me. I should have been like, oh, is that, do I come off like, oh, I need to look into that, don't I? I should probably look into that. Um, and then, but but also that character of Mariah went through so many iterations at the beginning, and at that point, they there was really a struggle with I think if, if I'm imagining of what do we do with this character? How do we? She hasn't really been in. I think I've been on the canvas for like three or four years at that point. I don't know. Um, but like, how do you take the character forward? How do you how do you move her forward? She's never been alive. She never. How do you break down her boxes? How do you like you know? Um, and I think it was it, one. It was a story that should have been happening all across soaps for for a long time. Um, and uh, I, I was just happy and I was honored to. Uh, to, to be a part of it and, and to, to take to take that on, you know? Mm -hmm. it, was a, it was a big, it was like, oh shit, oh, we're, okay, uh, this is a big deal. <laughs> and uh, all right, move forward. <laughs> well, the Trya audience is extremely devoted and loyal. So what does their enthusiasm for this love story mean to you? Um, I, I mean, it means that we did something right like and which is great and amazing for kate and i because we really cared about this story for um, many different reasons and all we wanted to do was um was do right by by the community and and give them something beautiful and something that had that heart and soul and depth and um and uh and charisma and you know uh, all of that, um, and so the fact that the, the Taraya fandom has been built and you know continues to grow, and it, it you know and um, their support is unwavering. I mean, it's just it, it's amazing. It kind of makes you go like, wow, oh, okay, like that's that's a win. Okay, I did something right. Like <laughs> I, I made some people happy. You know, in this industry, you're and especially in a soap opera, you're never going to make everybody happy. So. Uh, especially because you don't write it. I don't write it. <laughs> so it's nice that, um, that they, they have, they can cheer us on and, and we, we feel that every day. We feel that support every day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, okay. You had this initial bonding with Kate over memes and musicals, but now that you've been working together for several years, tell us about the dynamic, uh, of your relationship now. Well, it's only gotten closer. I mean, as as any relationship does with just uh, with time, um, there's more trust. Uh, there's more. So it's almost like you have a you have a shorthand with your romantic on screen partner, um, um, as you would with your real life partner. Um, and so there's 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 definitely a dynamic that makes it m much easier and much simpler to work together and to recall you know emotions or this or that like it, you work together nearly every day so it, it's not like you have to pull something out of nowhere you did those scenes 3 days ago it's right there it's it's all present so it really is it's a relationship between co-stars and between your characters and that just builds and gets stronger over time. I mean, the more you, you trust each other with sensitive material, the more you have to do that kind of work and you know, you bond and your exhaustion and your pain and your this and your that. Um, it just, uh, it makes for a really, really amazing uh, working relationship. Well, let's get into the storyline that's currently playing out, which began when Mariah signed on to be a surrogate for Abby. So what were your initial thoughts when you found out about the tale? I thought it was really interesting. I was like, wow, this is a term. You know, post-pandemic, we had to shift a lot of things that I had heard were going to be stories. And then, you know, we were down for like six months. Um, so then when we came back, everything was sort of different. And I, I had no idea... 
uh, where the storyline is going to go. And, you know, being on a soap, you're on a, you, you know, there are 30, 40 characters on the canvas at, at any given time. Uh, and you're not guaranteed a story. So, you know, there are, there are uh, dull moments, you know, where you just are like, you'll be in every now and then, you you know, have a coffee with this person, but you don't have an active storyline. So you're always appreciative when, when the writers present you with like, hey, this is going to be, you're like, okay, one, I'm going to be busy, two, uh, this is, I get to be pregnant. <laughs> like, I was like, I mean, it was great for me. I was like, I've gained a lot of weight during the pandemic. Telling <laughs> <laughs> me I get to cushion that with a pregnant belly, but <laughs> bide my time a little bit longer. Okay. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> so, uh, some fans, you know, took issue with the show undertaking this story. Did you understand where that sentiment was coming from? I, I did once I read. Um, I didn't initially. When, when it first broke, I was like, or before it broke, I was pretty excited because I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to tell a surrogacy story. Like so many women struggle with getting pregnant and like, and, and making their dreams come true in that respect. And like, yeah, this is, this is cool. This is, I, I'm in support of this. Um, and you know, people shouldn't be scared, scared of surrogacy and people, you know, and then I read all the stuff and I was like, okay, I see their point. Like, I have to be perfectly honest. Like I, I, that's not how I interpreted it. Um, but I, I definitely saw what they were saying and, um, you know, again, the, the, uh, uh, an unfortunate side effect of this medium and I'm sure other, other mediums within television and film, but this medium specifically is, you know, we're on Twitter and we're on Instagram and we're the actors and we're the most accessible. <laughs> Um, so sometimes audiences forget that like we don't have any control over what they we're not we don't have a, a, a dialogue with the writers we don't I mean especially now post pandemic like we you know they're they're not on set and they're not upstairs they're at home they're writing so we just we know less than we've ever known about future story like what's going to happen next and what about and, you know, and it can make it, it can make things a little bit more difficult because as an actor, you want to layer, you want to make your decisions make sense, so you want to layer things in. Um, but we just kind of have to go with the flow now, and that's, you know, that's just the thing. So you know, I, it's it's granted that you know some people are going to be unhappy with a story or certain aspects of the story, and all you can hope is like just keep watching. Like there, I, there may be some things that you like, there may be, and guaranteed it's a soap opera. Stories will end and new ones will begin. That's the beauty of a soap opera is you get that content all the time. Just, just wait, just wait. <laughs> right. Oh, that's a good perspective for sure. Um, now you mentioned Haley Aaron. You were pregnant on the show when she was pregnant in real life with twins. So, did you get any playing pregnant tips from her? Um, well, what I I went to Ireland to to see her before she gave birth. I went to Ireland for two weeks um, for the baby shower, and uh, I one of the things that like I asked her, which I didn't. Because I, I hadn't gotten, like, too big yet, I don't think, on the show. But she was, like, walking around, and she always had her hands on her belly. And I asked her, I was like, what it... Because I see that in movies and television all the time. And I've always thought, like, oh, my God, I wish they would get their hands off their freaking belly. No pregnant woman walks around just, like, all the time. Turns out totally wrong. They do. And I was like, why are you doing that? She was like, it feels good. Like it feels like it, it like the sensation is nice. And like, you know, you kind of, it's there. You kind of just like your hands gravitate toward it. Like you rest them there and then you kind of want to hold it. And you kind of, and I was like, I was wrong. 
I was very wrong. I was like, I, I told her, I was like, I straight up didn't think that that was real. I thought it was like, it was like an actor affectation. Well, tell us about the relationship that you had with the pregnancy padding once you got to don it. Oh, so great. So great. I remember um, when I got my, like my biggest, no, 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 not my biggest one. My first like big one. Like I had a little, a little pad that was like this big. And then I had one that was like this big. Um, and so I wore that one for a while and I remember like running downstairs to do COVID testing and I was in my outfit. So I was like, I had two scenes. So I was ran down to do my COVID testing and, um, Jason, Jason Thompson was there and, um, he was like, Hey, Candy, what? A oh my God, you're pregnant. <laughs> oh no. Why did you say that? You're pregnant. And I was like, no. It's like, yeah, Jason. Like, he's like, he's like, Cameron, that looks so real. That it looks so and people and then eventually as like it got bigger and bigger and bigger, people were like, Why do you look like good pregnant? Like why like why do you like it looks so natural? I'm like, of course I'm not, but it like weirdly I was like, I know. <laughs> Look, I've got the glow. I look like a natural pregnant. Like, oh my god! Like, I should be pregnant right now, right? Like, shouldn't I? Should I just? Should I just do it? Um, so it was great. It was it was really fun. I I would always send my um, my mom and my grandma uh, photos in the dressing room of me trying on like you know maternity outfits and this and that so it definitely gave me some ideas it, but it was also torture for my mom and my grandma they were like please just get pregnant you <laughs> <laughs> so beautiful <laughs> Jesus. Huh? it worked that way <laughs> um, well mariah was forced to spend the final stages of her pregnancy locked in a room after she was taken hostage by stitch so what were those days like to film when the episodes were just you in a room with mariah having no one to talk to but this unborn child i was initially terrified um i i got the scripts and then one of one of the days actually the first day that i started that part of the, the story. I did that for about two or three weeks. I was in, in a room, but in the room. Um, but the first day that I started that I did three episodes in a day. So, you know, every, every episode was like five ish scenes, let's say. So that was about 15 scenes and each, uh, each scene was about a page or a page and a half or two pages long. So that was about um, 20 to 25 pages of dialogue that was just monologue. And I like, I looked at that and I was like, I pissed somebody off. Oh, I made somebody mad. Somebody does not like me. I, I, I was convinced. I was like, oh my God. But like something clicks in when you get like material like that it almost feels like a challenge and so you're like oh i'm gonna show them I'm gonna, okay all right i see you all right i'm gonna step up you want some you want some okay let's go guess what i'm, I'm gonna learn every single one of these lines and i'm not gonna drop a single freaking line <laughs> So nobody cares. Like they're like, okay, like <laughs> makes our job easier. <laughs> like that's the trick of it, the mind trick. You start to be like, if I don't do this, if I don't perform this well, I'm gonna get fired. <laughs> like, oh my god, this is a test. They're watching me. Um, so, <laughs> so I, I, it's actually one of the the few times I'll sit down the night before and try to memorize. My boyfriend was like, "What are you doing? A one one woman show?" I was like. <laughs> Kind of feels like it, um, and uh, but but I actually came to really love those scenes. One because it was they were so challenging, and that to me is just like I sink my teeth into that that stuff. Like I'm like, oh yeah, oh give it to me. Um, and uh, I'm not competitive at all, <laughs> like at all. Uh, it's, it's a wonder why I didn't play sports, but like. Um, uh, so for me, I just like, that is just like 
oh, that's that's the stuff that I that I live off. That of. I just want to like know on it. Um, and uh, and then eventually it sort of became like like I equated it to you know the the different types of people like in school. Like there's two different types of people. There's the people that like to do class projects because um, you know they don't have to work as hard, and then the person who tries to do the class project all on their own so they don't have to work with other people. I tend to be the latter. <laughs> I would always try to convince my teachers. I was like, I just do it on my own. I don't have to talk to anybody. <laughs> um, now, luckily, being on a soap, obviously, like it's a complete ensemble and collaborative effort. But those scenes were nice because it was like, I just have me to rely on. I'm responsible if these don't turn out well. Just me. Like, I, there's no one. So do your best. And it was just like, I got to play. Like I, I always equate it to that. Like I got to flex and play and like stretch and, you know, it, it, it was, it was, it was really tough, but it was a really, really good time actually. And I got to wear sweats every day. Like it was the, it was the easiest. I didn't really wear any makeup and I, you know, had sweats on. So it was a win-win. <laughs> Well, just last week, we've seen uh, that Mariah's emotions really boiled over after Dominic's christening, and she made the decision to move out of the mansion. Um, I have to say, I was so impressed with your performance in that episode. Just lovely, lovely work in your scenes with Kate and with Melissa Ordway, who plays Abby. But what really, really got to me was the lovely goodbye that she said to Bowie at the end of the episode as she was preparing to move out. And then it occurred to me that I'm watching you pour your heart out to what is probably, right, just like a doll wrapped in a blanket. Yeah. So, okay, obviously it's all acting, but that is like really, really acting. So what is it like to emote to that extent to an, inanimate, an inanimate object? How do you do it? I mean, I, you know, you could ask that same question in, to, to anybody who does green screen stuff or anybody who or any voiceover artists who just are, are with the mic and have to have a, you know, conversation with no one, you know, um, it's, it's part of the job. It's the part of what we do to create reality out of, you know, out of imagination, you know, out of imagination. We, our, our job is to ground it and bring emotion and reality to, you know, the, some of some of the disbelief, you know, which, you know, would be holding a, a baby. I just, I, I go to a place that's, I'm not really focusing like my eyeballs on the doll. Like I'm more talking through it. I'm talking to an emotion. I'm talking to a feeling. I'm talking to that. I, I, it's really hard to describe, especially when it, it's, for me, like I've been doing it so long, people are like, how do you memorize lines? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> well, I have no idea. <laughs> I just do it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's more about what's, what's happening in here and how that leaves your body and, and how that gets expressed through words and how, you know, so that's, that's the job. <laughs> it's working. Um, <laughs> but we are seeing Mariah struggle with the bond that she formed with Bowie and her difficulty being around and letting go of this connection, which is now sort of morphed into a desire to start a family with Tessa. So how do you understand what Mariah is going through and how this may affect her relationship now? Well, I, I think talking about, you know, postpartum and, and you know, and, uh, and PTSD because of her being, you know, Trapped for so long is is uh, is pretty important, and I think it's it's what a lot of women struggle with. So that's where I ground it. Is I I grounded in real trauma and real despair and real pain, um, so that you know even if you don't like what Mariah's saying or her decisions, you don't have to. Um, but I want you to feel what she's feeling. You don't have to agree. No audience ever has to like like what's happening or or agree with what Mariah is doing. But I want you to feel it. 
I want you to feel where it's coming from. So it's, it's, it's my job with material that I'm given to root it in something honest and something that has a strong foundation so that as ridiculous as, as any decision she might make may be, it's very real to her. It's, it's, it's very like, you know, it, it means a lot to her. And I think moving forward for her and Tessa, that's where the struggle is going to be is that Tessa can't meet her there because Tessa can't understand because Mariah is barely understanding. She's still trying to make sense of everything that's going on in her. Well, um, on another note, you joked in an interview with Soap Opera Digest not too long ago that you were going to take Mariah's maternity clothes home with you stash them away for when you may need them in real life. So I need to know, did you actually do so? And if not, why not? Um, I didn't. Uh, not yet, because we're not allowed to go upstairs, really. Um, so we're sort of secluded to our floors. Like before pre-pandemic, you could like go to the office and this and that. We're, we're, we're discouraged from, from doing that. Um, so... I haven't, I haven't asked yet. I don't know. They might've donated them by now. So a lot of times, like if you have something like a pregnancy or, you know, those clothes aren't certainly aren't going to come back and be used again. So they tend to like donate them. So if they're not donated, I'll ask. <laughs> I'll ask. My boyfriend, I just come home with like a pile of clothes and my boyfriend's like, what? I'm like, shh, you didn't see anything. Um, well speaking of your boyfriend not too long ago you moved into a new place how is domestic life it is great I mean a house is a lot of work did not realize how much work and we moved in very quickly um uh we had to so uh you know I, I guess I had this initial thought that like, oh my gosh, in six months, the house will be done. No, 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 it's going to take quite a long time. So I'm having to sort of chill my, my OCD brain and, and my perfectionist brain and try to just like relax and be like, okay, this is, you know, this is a process, just give into the process and, you know, and, uh, but we are very excited. Uh, you know, our, our favorite holidays are coming up. So we're getting excited for decorating and this and like, and, you know, maybe Friendsgivings and all, all within, you know, safe, all vaccinated people, all, all within safe reason. But, you know, this is what we were looking forward to about having a house. So we're, we're very, we're very excited. If only he could put his shoes away and I would be happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've, you've said that you want to have kids and you're at the stage of life where it's on your mind more. Did playing pregnant, I know it moved the needle for your mom and for your grandma, but did it move it for you? Weirdly, like, I mean, yes and no. Weirdly, it actually, like, satiated something. (laughs) Like, and so many people, like, so many, you know, there were so many pregnancies during, like, COVID and all of that, and, like, um, it, but it, like, it kind of, like, satiated. I was like, okay, I got to experience this a little bit, and, like, you know, so now I'm, I'm, I'm more calmed down. I definitely think, you know, next couple years, next few years, I don't know. I, you know, I, I definitely, I, when I was younger, I used to be insane about it. I was like, I want to be pregnant yesterday. And now that I'm older, I'm really realizing the benefit of not getting married or not having kids at that age. Cause like, I can't imagine First of all, I can't imagine having kids with who I was with at that time. Oh, my God. Thank God. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I really had dodged a bullet with that one. Um, and I'm so happy um, to have met Brock. And, and, you know, we're still just in the, you know, the beginning of our relationship. Because I don't think a relationship, like, really starts until you have a full full calendar year with somebody. Um, so I think we've had a pandemic relationship. So I think what we're looking forward to most is like, I don't know, traveling together, um, you know, experiencing life, not in a global pandemic seems like at the top of our bucket list at the moment as a couple. <laughs> I like it. Um, well, it's hard to believe, but we are approaching the 25th anniversary of your y debut, which we'll be celebrating in March of 2022. So 
Before we let you go, is it possible for you to sum up what your long association with the show has meant to you both personally and professionally? This has been the journey of a lifetime, both personally and professionally. Um, I've had my greatest wins and my greatest losses here, and I would not be the person that I am today without this show. It's home. Finally, is there anything you would want to say directly to the YNR viewers who are listening? Thank you for sticking with us when we were down for six months and we were playing reruns. And um, thank you for sticking with us now. Um, just keep watching. Keep watching. Uh, you know, we love bringing you stories and we love it when you love it and we love it when you hate it. <laughs> That's what this relationship is, guys. You're going to love it. You're going to hate it. Um, but we will always keep bringing you um, your, your favorite generous city stories as long as you want it. I mean, total pro. Um, <laughs> so great to talk to you today, Cameron. Thanks for joining us and sharing all your stories and talking about your current storyline, which we look forward to playing out. Yeah. Oh, thank you guys. All right. Have a great day. Have a great day. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Cameron Grimes for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. Bye.